Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. We bring you hand-selected hosts, podcasts, and talk radio programming with listening options, 24-7 streaming or listen on demand. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at pr at speakuptalkradio.com. Right now, I have a Texas author to share with you. He is Mark Waters. Mark was born and raised in Fort Worth and attended school there from the first grade into college. His career started in banking, and then he furthered his career and education. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he owned and operated an adolescent drug and alcohol treatment program serving the needs of drug and alcohol-dependent kids and served as a board member for a local community theater and a food bank network. He has been an active member of various civic organizations, including Rotary International and a current member of the Rockport Writers Group, the Rockport Fulton Chamber of Commerce, and the current vice president of Keep Aransas County Beautiful. Writing is his new career after moving to Rockport in 2009 with his wife of nearly 40 years, and her name is Beth, and they have three grown children. Mark has published two novels, and a few more are on the way right now, and we are going to find out a bit about his book. So welcome to the network, Mark. It's great to be here, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, especially since I know that you are dressed and showered and you had a good breakfast as your wife instructed you, yes? (laughs) Yes, and the other that we we, we mentioned in uh, in an email. (laughs) So I'm I'm good to go. I couldn't believe that was the best email I've ever received. I, I, uh, (laughs) I actually posted it on Facebook. I said, an author who I'm scheduled to interview at noon sent me this, and I'm getting some fun responses. So thank you for... For lightening my day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeehaw. You got it. <laughs> now, I would imagine, Mark, that your work at the Adolescent Drug and Alcohol Treatment Program gave you the interest to write your book, Suicide by Death? Uh, yeah, it had a lot to do with it. Um, probably most importantly, though, I had already written my first book, Three Days in Heaven, which was actually my second, but my first published. And uh, you know, my sister had committed suicide, oh, probably around, oh gosh, it's been probably 15 years. And I, I did have a story rolling around in my head, and then after um, after Three Days in Heaven was published, I, I jumped right all over it. And, uh, and uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And it's it's done real well all over the world. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's actually doing better than my first one. Well, because it's a it's a common problem, actually, and you say that many have suffered the loss of a loved one, friend, or acquaintance to suicide, and most of the time without warning. Too often, drugs, alcohol, and sexual abuse play a vital role and can lead to depression and is the leading cause of suicide, and, and your book is about all three. So why don't you tell us a bit about it? This was the kind of book that I don't know if anyone saw. I think it was Romancing the Stone. I forget the the the, the the female uh, character's name that played opposite of, uh, I think, Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, she's a writer, and she's writing away, and she just, you know, tears are just streaming down her face. And, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a 61-year-old man, and, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I've, I've got a hold of my feelings pretty tightly. But I mean to tell you, I cried almost all through this book, just, you know, 
bringing up the things that I went through as a kid, you know, what my wife went through as a kid, uh, of course, my, my, my sister's death, and then, and then not too soon after that, uh, our niece had committed suicide. And I kind of joke in the book, so much so that the main character thought suicide was contagious. But, you know, as I began to write, uh, it just, you know, the things and the stories just flowed and everything, and every, all the pieces connected. You know, there's not a single character in the book that I associate with somebody in my real life. They don't play the exact part, but like I said, they played a role in the character development. So this was really a very personal book for you. It was probably somewhat cathartic just to write it, I would imagine. Oh, gosh. I mean, at, at best, cathartic. It, it really, really was. I mean, so many friends and acquaintances and people that have read the book have been, you know, literally pulled out of the darkness. Uh, one letter that I received was from a young woman, and she said, you know, I, I'm like your character, Claire. She said, you know, I've, I've just sort of made it my pastime hobby to try to kill myself. And uh, she said, you know, your book has given me at least a moment of pause. And, you know, I reached out to her and I gave her some hotline numbers and, you know, of course, my, my personal email address and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so far she's still with us. And uh, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, so you're kind of taking your counselor training and, and work. <laughs> it's still continuing through this book. Oh, yes. I've, I've, had to, I've had to dust off my license a couple of times. No, I can imagine. What a beautiful thing. They always say to write about what you know, and you surely did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was, it's really been wonderful an outpouring of letters um, that I have you know, received and emails of encouragement. It's been a wonderful thing. I've really been humbled with the book. No, I get that. I get that. Talk about the title, Suicide by Death. How did that come about? Well, you know what? It's a good thing you brought that up because <laughs> I actually have it highlighted. <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just read this to you real quick. Some have questioned the title, Suicide by Death. At first, I thought it was cute, sort of an artsy thing. But in the back of my mind, I knew what it meant. For anyone who saw the movie Star Trek, Wrath of Khan... Near the end, Mr. Spock rescues the ship but sacrifices his life. Captain Kirk runs to Spock to save him and tries to open the fuel chamber. Dr. McCoy, Bones, said it would flood the compartment with radiation, and he and Scotty restrained the captain. Kirk struggled to free himself and murmured, he'll die. Scotty replied in his thick Scottish accent, said, sir, he's dead already. Well, I go on to say he wasn't dead yet and had enough time to share a personal moment with Kirk, but the fact remained, you know, that Spock was on his way out. Death only needed to catch up. And so I just go on to say, you know, folks rarely pick up a gun and blow their brains out on a whim. It takes an amount of planning, like my sister. You know, my sister planned hers out. So she, was a, she was a planner. Mm. But anyway, and so it begins. You've already committed suicide in your mind. It simply needs to be followed up with a bullet, noose, jump off a skyscraper, whatever. Then I just finished by saying, then death. You know, death's bitter door swings wide open and welcomes you. Wow. So that's how I came up with the title. I mean, it's the 10th leading cause, in, uh, cause of death in the U.S. and third leading cause of death uh, for, for young teenagers. And in one state, you know, they now get to carry this burden on them that suicide is the number one, I don't know which state it is, but it's the number one leading cause of death for a young teen. Wow, what a sad and, commentary. Oh, it's awful. I mean, it's just awful. You know, I've, I've gotten myself very involved with the um, American 
Foundation for Suicide Prevention. You know, 105 folks die every day because of suicide, every 13 minutes. And it's just sad. And not me, not anybody's gonna is gonna ever stop it. I can jump in there, and you know, I can certainly help slow it down. You know, one little person at a time. As you're speaking, it is frustrating. But you just said something I think very important because it made me think we don't have to always grab onto something in a giant way. If you just affect the small circle of people that you come in contact with. And I'll tell you a quick story about a, uh, a gal that uh, was a beautician and she had a, a woman, a woman come into her seat and was talking to her. And the, I guess this beautician was very nice to her. And the, this gal was apparently getting her hair done for the last time. And a month or so came back and told this beautician, you know, I was going to go home and kill myself, but you were so nice to me. Just the conversation you had with me just showed that you cared and that I felt somebody out there cared for me. And so that saved your life. And so I guess it's kind of a lesson that whoever we come across, that we could make a difference in their life. Well, you know, there's so much of that, you know, that does go on. You know, people are, you know, people are, are hiding in the shadows. And, you know, they're, they're so far pushed in a corner, and they don't know where to go. You know, I'll find it here in a minute, but my wife said something. You know, I asked her what she thought depression was. And she said, you know, to me, it's you were up against a wall where the wall is high and it's wide, and, and there's an emotional glue that keeps you stuck to it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I thought that, that was very just a very profound statement and so true and one one of my favorite lines in the whole book but anyway that foundation i was telling you about the american foundation for suicide prevention yes. uh it's afsp.com okay and it's a great source excellent thank you for looking that up and sharing it well now your book three days in heaven also comes from a very personal place as well so tell us a bit about that one yeah, now this is a great one. This is probably I, I, I've written I've written three books, working on a half a dozen others, but this was the this is probably the easiest thing I think I ever wrote in my life. And um, the first part of the book is really all about me. And people ask, well, what was it like in heaven? Well, I didn't really go that far. I didn't die, but my character did. I, as a heart patient, oh, I guess around I think it was one. I'd always had what they call an inverted T wave that they picked up in an EKG. Not a big deal. And as it was, you know, while everybody else's goes, or most everybody else's, their, their wave goes up, mine goes down. Anyway, I was always told, not a big deal. That's just kind of your new, that's your, that's your normal. Okay, great. Well, we'll move up, you know, a few years. And I'll never forget one day, it was a Monday, I was having some neck pressure. No big deal. I'd never had a heart attack, ever. Went to see my doctor, you know, he was a personal friend of mine, checked me out, plugged me up to everything. Well, you're fine, go home. All right, well, the next day it was the same thing, but a little bit more pressure in my neck. And now I felt a little bit of, not pain, but pressure in my chest. But I tried to speed this up as fast as I can. He, I called him again. He said, you need to just go to the ER. So I went there. They did all their things, blood, uh, ran me through the treadmill, more tests, more tests, procedures, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. I, I hadn't had a heart attack. Anyway, the doctor said, here's the deal. Something's going on, and if you were my brother, I'll never forget, 
if you were my brother, I'd have you stay over. You know, stay, stay the evening, and we'll do one more test in the morning. I was like, what is that? He said, we'll do a heart cath. I was like, oh, fantastic. But I knew what that was. It's, it's, not, it's not a painful procedure, but daunting, you know. So anyway, I finally met my cardiologist and, you know, did the, you know, did the thing. And boy, all of a sudden, voila, he found that I had uh, 85 and 95% blockage in my arteries. One of them being, uh, I think I think it's the lower ascending ALD. ALD. Mm-hmm, right. Anyway, they called the Widowmaker. And they told me four or five days, if I'd have not dealt with this, they said four or five days I'd have dropped it. No. Not the Hollywood style, clench my chest, no. fall down, somebody does CPR. They said you would have died of sudden, you know, sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And so three days later, they cut me open and did the bypass, and everything has been okay since. Yay. But how the book got started. <laughs> about, <laughs> about four years ago, I guess it's not probably five years ago, <clears throat> I had another little scare, and um, we went to the hospital. And again, everything was just fine. They thought I might have just been a little anxious or, you know, a little, little stressed or whatever. But I thought when I left there, there's a story in here somewhere, and I, <clears throat> and I wanted to tackle the what-ifs. And that's what, that's what Three Days in Heaven is all about. Uh, and like I say in the book, all the events that led up to all of that, up to the moment that the character dies, the main character took over from that, and it's been it's been styled a a religious fantasy, where this character goes up, meets God, hangs out, plays some golf, learns about faith, and uh, it, it's it was a very entertaining book to write. <laughs> I bet it sounds like a fun book. Here's can I read one little part here? Please do. Yes. Yeah, he and God had gotten me, <clears throat> you know, pretty good pals, and they played some rounds of golf and all that. Anyway, this is another one of his little teaching moments, and uh, Tony changes the subject and comments, you haven't talked much about sin. God reached over and picked up a long stick. So, he sits and nudges a pebble in the sand with the stick. I figured the subject might come up. I wondered why it took you so long. Understand this. I didn't put the commandments together in order of importance. I asked him with a baffled look, what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) But I'll explain it. Okay. From my standpoint, I see very little difference between stealing a banana and shooting your neighbor in the back of the head. Sin is sin. Don't get me wrong, a few sins just irritate me and others stir up anger. It's the sins in the middle of the ones that hurt me. Nevertheless, sin is sin. Then God continued to poke around at the, the little pebble. Then it broke into a bunch of little pieces. Tony looked at the newly formed rubble and asked, Does that mean something? Now God has a baffled expression and asks, does what mean something? <laughs> he points to the pile of the demolished pebble. What does that mean? God is a bit aloof and continues to stir the debris. I don't know what you're talking about. Again, pointing at them, he asks, does the broken pebble symbolize something, perhaps because of sin our lives are a shattered mess? Not really. I guess I poked it too hard. That's <laughs> 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 one of the big crowd teasers. You're funny. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I tackled the thing with some humor, with an amount of deity and, 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 and reverence, but, you know, I, I kind of 
tackle the whole subject of faith, you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that makes it very readable, and the lessons learned are a lot, uh, a lot more palatable. Yeah, like I said, a lot of fun. <laughs> Love it. So what's next? You know, that's a toughie. I'm going to take a stab at real, this real comedy. I've been toying with this thing called the Linguini Massacre. And <laughs> this story came about uh, when my granddaughter was first born. She's our first grandchild, and we went to Houston to visit with them. And we were there for about a week after she was born. Well, yeah, I like a cook, and, you know, I thought I'd make them a nice meal. they you know, been going like crazy. And I decided on the linguine, uh, clam linguine. And so we went to the fresh seafood market, and we bought a bunch of clams and all this kind of stuff. Now, I know the rule about clams. You know, you, you, you stir them in whatever sauce until they all pop open. Well, I wasn't really thinking, and I felt a little rushed. So, you know, we're, you know, I'm getting everything together, and I'm piling the clams on top of the, you know, the, the linguine. And not all of them are fully open. So <laughs> we're in there prying these little butters apart and everything and, and eating them. Anyway, long story short, the next morning, my wife and I are out in the front porch talking, and uh, she said, you know, I hope nobody got sick because of the clams. And then I looked at her, I said, I hope I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> then we both looked at each other, and they go, Linguini Massacre! <laughs> so I'm taking the character who is a who is a failed writer, and he has a dinner party with his editor, his publicist, a few others. And, you know, the, over the course of the next few days, everybody's dead except for the host and hostess. So it sounds like it's going to be a lot. That will be fun. I love it. You already have a sense of humor, so uh, it should <laughs> it should be fun for you to write that. I like it. So three different books. How has writing changed you? This may sound silly, but it's made me a better writer in general, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's an email or a, or a press release that I've done or whatever. I've, I've really gotten hold of the, you know, the English language a lot better, the, the grammar, you know, the way things are supposed to be structured. I mean, like I've told everybody in my writers' groups and things like that, you know, I was asleep during most of my English classes and lit and all this kind of stuff. But the only thing that I, the, the things that I remember the, the best was my 10th uh, grade English teacher, Miss Jackson. And I'll never forget these words, like she said them yesterday. She said, write like you talk. Mm-hmm. And that's been the easiest part for me. Um, you know, as far as all the, the technical details, you know, that's why God made editors. You know, I tell the story, and they help me fix it, you know, with the dialogue and the tags and all yeah. that. So, yeah. you know, I've gotten to be a better writer, and uh, I think I'm a better communicator. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's been... The, no, that's great. Those are the two best things. Yep. As uh, the more you write, the more you learn, the better you get. Um, so, let's talk a bit about your writing process and the publishing process. So, when and how did you get your first book published? Well, I went through a a company called CreateSpace. It's for indie authors like me. They're the vision of Amazon. But anyway, they edited my first one. They helped me put it all together. We came up with a book cover, and you know, they, they just put all the pieces together. You know, I just wrote the thing, mm-hmm. and, uh, and of course, they edited it. 
And, you know, it's it's not a very difficult process. I mean, it's a, just on a kind of a personal side note, they've, they've made it too easy anymore. 20 years ago, you know, if you wanted to be a published writer, you had better have a lot of money and a decent story and, and for the most part, a publisher, you know, a real publisher like Simon Schuster and some of the big boys. But today, you know, anybody with an idea can literally get published on Kindle and some of the other ebooks for free. Right. So that's that's been a bit frustrating for me and some of my colleagues is that, you know, anybody with a thought can be published and you know, that's that's our competition. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's kind of a two-edged sword. Other side of it, though, is that many people that do have wonderful ideas and wonderful works, at least now we can get them out there. And I would imagine ultimately the readers decide. I'm sure these folks who have nothing to say or don't write very well, I'm sure that shows up in their book sales. So hopefully somewhere there's some balance to this. So let's talk about your writing process. When you're writing your book, do you write every day at a certain time, a certain place? I do something with my books every day, whether it's writing or marketing or editing or whatever. I have tinnitus, which is, uh, I've got a pretty good serious case of tinnitus, the, the ringing in the ear thingy. I have it as well. Yeah, and it's 24-7. You know the yep. drill. Yep. And so it's real hard for me to concentrate unless I'm listening to music or mm-hmm. something. With, and, it, and it's got to be headphones. I can't listen to it over speakers. But it really calms me. I don't care if I'm listening to heavy metal or, or opera or whatever. It's a real distraction, you know, for me so that I can that I can concentrate trade on my writing. Mm-hmm. And of course my cat is my co editor and she's laying on my desk right now as we speak. <laughs> You and I are very similar. I have, uh, for some reason, I've rescued 11 cats. So I usually <laughs> I usually have a cat working uh, with me as well. So uh, we've got our ears ringing and our cats purring and what else? You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I tell you what, I like it a little bit dark. I, like I said, I like my music. And, you know, Pat, I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Uh, I wish that I had, I wish that I had started writing 20 or 30 years ago. And she just looked at me, she said, you wouldn't have had a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everything, you know, I mean, you know, the two most important books in my life were as a result of personal experience and all within the past, you know, 15, 20 years. So I have no regrets. I've had a great life. I love to write. I, you know, I, I love to communicate my thought. I think I tell a compelling story. And, you know, it, it really is, it really is a passion. So, you know, I, I'm having a blast. I can tell that you are, and I absolutely agree with your wife. We can always look back and say, I wish I had done this earlier, but you probably weren't ready because if you were ready, you would have done it. So, uh, yep, I I agree with her as well. So that kind of takes me to my next question. What have you learned about yourself as you write? That I'm really more of a talented writer than I ever thought. Mm -hmm. If you just said, hey, Mark, you know what, in 2000, whatever, you will be a, a recognized writer. I'd have thought you lost your mind, mm-hmm. and uh, it just it just never occurred to me. Yeah, but I'm here, and y'all are stuck with me, so <laughs> it could be worse, I'm sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so you're feeling good that you are a good writer and that you're growing. Well, what is important to you then as a writer? Is it more for yourself? Is it for your readers? As you're writing, what is your purpose and your goal? 
Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I, I, I write for myself because I love it. I write for the readers because I hope they love it. I know it's tried to say, but people talk about page turners and things like that. I like, I hope to write page turners. And I, I want everything that I say, you know, every line, every paragraph, I want it to have, you know, a real impact on the reader. And, you know, I want them to you know, come away saying, you know, I couldn't put it down. And, and I'm honored to say I get more. I get more comments like that that I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that, that's probably the greatest gift and honor a writer and author could ever have is to have those kinds of comments. Absolutely. And it looks like online that you do get great comments. I've been really, really privileged. I had one bad review for um, Three Days in Heaven, and I actually reached out to the guy on, on Amazon, Amazon in the review section. I didn't know you could do that, but I did, and he and he, re- he responded back. He said, well, maybe you ought to read it. Well, he did. He read it. He didn't recant it so that everybody could see. Mm-hmm. He, he, he apologized to me. He said, I, I finally read the whole thing. He got caught up in some of the, the theology and things that, that I believed mm-hmm. in, and he said he just had to put the book down. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Suicide by Death. I had I had one bad review. Again, I reached out to him, and he he contacted me. He says, I'm really surprised he even contacted me. But anyway, he fully recanted his review um, on Amazon, and uh, so so far, you know, I officially do not have any garbage reviews. Oh, so that's, I'm happy about that. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and you can't please everyone, especially when you're talking oh, about some religious thoughts that you may have. Obviously, everybody is not going to agree with that. But uh, that's oh, sure. in, that's interesting that you reached out and they followed up. So they were very serious about it. It wasn't just mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. some, some crazy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as you're writing, do you feel energized when you're done, or does it exhaust you? You know, it's a little bit of both, and I think I think every writer that you ever talk to will say the same thing. I don't know if it's done. You know, you pick a spot, you create a you know, cute little ending, and then you just tell yourself, well, this has got to end sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And so, if I read it, uh, read it, and read it, and try to make changes where they need to be, and you just finally say, that's it, I feel good with it, you know, and you hit the go button and you, and you, and you publish it. There you go. And so, and I, I think every writer that you talk to would agree with me. Mm-hmm. All righty, well, we've covered quite a bit today, but is there anything we missed that you would like to talk about? You know, Pat, I think we, I think we covered the bases. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 62 in a couple of months, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'll tell you what, we moved down here on purpose in, in 09. We've been visiting the Rockport area, which is on the um, South Texas Gulf Coast, just a little bit north of Corpus. And my, my wife had been visiting uh, Rockport since she was a little girl. And then she drug me down here <laughs> in 93. And, I mean, the moment I showed up, I fell in love. I said, we're moving here. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, 09, we, or not 08, we bought some land, and 09, we built a house and moved on down and haven't regretted since. We love it down here. I can tell. You sound like a very happy and fulfilled person. You're in a place you love with a person you love, and, and you're doing what you love, so you just can't beat that, and they really get that feeling from you, so it's very energizing to talk with you today. I don't want to be the only person being energized, so where can folks then go to learn more about you and where can they purchase your books? 
Well, they can always go to Amazon Books. Either look my name up, Mark Anthony Waters. I think I'm the only one. Or the specific titles of the book, Three Days in Heaven or Suicide by Death. Uh, suicide by death, you're not going to get too many too many competitors. It's, it's in its own unique little spot. But anyway, they're both there, and I've got my author page there that you know talks about you know me and a little bit of my bio and, and, and the things that I like and the things that we've covered. So my web address, if you're interested, is www.markanthonywaters.com. All right. Easy to remember. Excellent. Markanthonywaters.com. We'll send folks there. Mark, what a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. I knew we were going to have fun, and you did not disappoint. Thank you so much for sharing. (laughs) Oh, it's been a blast, Pat. I've been looking forward to this for two weeks. Thank you, Pat.